1: If you were with us, you know that Paul has been amazed that, give me your attention, that the Galatians were so soon removed from the gospel, which was not another gospel at all, Paul said. He said it was a perversion. It was a deformed gospel. Are y'all listening? It was a deformed gospel. Paul went on to say that the gospel that he preached was not learned by men. It was not learned at a seminary. It was not learned at Bible college. It was not learned in theological school. Paul says, the gospel that I preach, I received it by revelation. I got it from God from Jesus himself. Paul told us that after he became a Christian, we talked about this last week, he went immediately into the desert of Arabia, and it was there that he stayed for three years. It was during those three years, are you listening, that God began to reformat, rechange Paul's theology. God began to teach Paul the Word of God. Now, keep in mind, Paul was a Pharisee of all Pharisees. He said that of himself. He said he was of the tribe of Benjamin. He said concerning the law, blameless. Not many Pharisees could even say that. He said, so Paul knew the word of God, but God took him away so that God could teach him the word of God. Y'all know where I'm at, my people. To teach him the word of God. You see, it's one thing to read the Bible. It's another thing to know what God's Word says. The only thing, the only way to know what God's Word says is to know it by the Spirit. Don't you know the same revelation that God gave to Paul to understand the Scriptures is the same revelation he gives to you and to me every single Sunday, every single Wednesday, every single Bible study? Because without the Spirit of God, you cannot understand the Scriptures. Can more than five people say amen? Amen. You can't understand the Bible. People are like, oh, I read the Bible before. You know the scriptures? Yeah, 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 I know the Bible before. I read the Bible. Yes, I know the scriptures. Yes, 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 yes. I've read the Bible from cover to cover 10 times. Yes, 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 yes. Yeah, really, but do you know the Bible? Well, I just said I read it 10 times. Yeah, but do you know the Bible? You see, if you don't know God, you can't know the Bible. Because the Spirit of God, can y'all say better amen than that? This It's going to be a long afternoon. I'm going to tell y'all now. It's going to be long. Y'all going to be here for a minute. You bring your lunch. You're going to be here for a minute. You can't know God's word without the spirit of God. Don't you know, reading the Bible is not like reading Harlequin romance. It's not reading the bestseller New York Times. It's not reading Oprah's preferred book of the month or the week or whatever she's doing. You need the Spirit of God to understand the Word of God. There's no way to understand God's Word unless you understand it by revelation. So God took Paul away, are you listening? Into the deserts of Arabia, and there Paul received his DD. No, not a doctrine of divinity or divinity I don't know why I like saying it like that. Divinity, it just sounds highfalutin, doesn't it? Doctrine of divinity. It was a doctrine of the desert. And it was in that desert receiving that DD degree that Paul began to relearn what the Scripture says. As he sat and he read Isaiah 53, he was wounded for our transgressions, bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of his peace was upon us, and by his stripes we were healed. He began to reread that, and then he began to see Jesus. And he's reading that, and he's going, oh, wow, that's Jesus. And then he's looking at the story of Jonah in the belly of the fish for three days and three nights. And he, wow, that's Jesus as the resurrection. Jesus was in the heart of the earth three days, three nights. He rose again as Jesus. And as he continued to read, reread the law and the lamb and the sacrifices, and he would see Jesus. And it was there in the desert that Paul began to get a glimpse of the grace of God. Well, last time. We talked about Paul returned to Jerusalem, and he wasn't accepted the first time, and then he went back home to Tarsus. Okay, I told you, each week I'm going to give you the outline for the book of Galatians, and you, by the time we're finished with this book, you are going to be so sick of seeing this outline. You're going to be like, don't, I don't ever want to see it again, but you will know it. You will know it. Here's the outline for the book of Galatians, chapters 1 and 2. Paul describes somebody help me, his experience with the grace of God. Somebody help me means everybody help me. Okay, I, I'm telling you, it's going to be a long afternoon. I've got to tell you every little thing, all right? Thank you. Chapters 3 and 4, Paul describes his doctrine in the grace of God. Very good. In chapters 5 and 6, Paul describes the application of the grace of God. Chapters 1 and 2, his experience Three and four, his doctrine. Five and six, his what? Application of the grace of God. And I told you I was going to title each and every one of these sermons, Grace-Filled Freedom. You know that. Well, let's pick up chapter 2, beginning in verse 1. Saints, everybody, if you're looking at it, say amen. amen. Then after 14 years, Paul says, I went up again to Jerusalem with Barnabas, and I also took with me who? Titus went with him, and I went up by revelation, that means God showed him to go, and communicated to them that gospel which I preached among the Gentiles, but privately to those who were of reputation, lest by any means I might run and had run in vain. Yet not not even Titus, who was with me, he was a Greek, was compelled to be circumcised. Amen. And this occurred Because the false brethren secretly brought in who came in by self to spy out our liberty, which we have in Christ, that they might bring us into bondage again to whom we did not yield submission even for an hour. That here's why. Here's why we didn't submit to the legalism. Here's why we didn't submit to the bondage that the truth of the Go- Would you read it with me that the truth of the gospel might continue with you. Saint stop right there. Give me your attention. So Paul has been defending, if you've been with us, you know this, defending and fighting for the truth of the gospel and the truth of the gospel of grace. And as these men known as Judaizers, were coming behind Paul's ministry and telling the Galatians that Paul was only giving them half the truth. They would say, yes, we need to believe in Jesus. Yes, we need the grace of God. But although, however, you need to be circumcised to keep the laws of Moses and to be saved. And they said, without circumcision, these Judaizers, are you listening?" They said, without circumcision, you cannot be saved. So these Judaizers were troubling the believers. If you're taking notes, they were troubling the believers. They were perverting the gospel and they were disrupting the unity of leadership. They were troubling the believers, perverting the gospel and disrupting the unity of the leadership. Big problem. Now, Galatians chapter 2, listen to me closely, stay with me. Galatians chapter 2 is written with the backdrop of Acts chapter 15. You will read that in your own time. We don't have time for that today, but it's written with the backdrop of Acts chapter 15. Now, in Acts chapter 15, as you read it on your own, you'll see Paul and the other apostles met in Jerusalem to settle a dispute. Again, these Judaizers had come into the church and they were telling the Gentiles that in order to be saved, they had to go through the ritual of circumcision. In other words, you must become, this is what the Judaizers were saying, you must become a Jew in order to become a child of God. Did you get that? You must become a Jew by being circumcised in order to become a child of God. So when Paul and the other apostles heard this, a meeting was called. Testimonies were heard, the scriptures were reviewed, and the conclusion was that the Gentiles were to be saved by grace through faith in Jesus alone, just like the Jew. Now, the thing that we have to understand, the thing that we need to remember, and I've failed to even make clear to you, is that the Judaizers, they were not disbelievers, they were misbelievers. <laughs> Write that down. They were not disbelievers They were misbelievers. In other words, these Judaizers were saying that you must be saved, that we are to be saved through Jesus Christ, that the grace of God is good. The blood of Jesus is good. They agreed to all of those things, but they also added that you must be circumcised in order to be saved. So they were not disbelievers. They were misbelievers. And the wisdom coming from that meeting in Acts chapter 15 was that simply this, that they should abstain from idolatry, they should abstain from fornication, they should abstain from things that are strangled and blood, and that they were to remember the poor. The final outcome, are you listening? The final outcome of this meeting wasn't a doctrinal adjustment. This is important. Because this meeting was important. In Acts chapter 15. Acts chapter 15 is very, very critical. You know, a lot of people, they read Acts chapter 2 and they say, well, that's a critical chapter. The Holy Spirit fell, people began to speak in tongues, and there we have the gifts of the Spirit. Woo! But Acts chapter 15 was very critical. And the reason why it was critical, because these Judaizers were trying to add to the grace of God. And if the apostles or if Paul had consented to that, all of us would be under the law. And probably most of us would not even be saved. Because when you're under the law, you're confused. And part of you is works and the other part of you is grace. You don't know what you are. So Acts chapter 15 is critical to the core of Christianity. If you understand what I'm saying, please say amen. I'm passionate about this grace thing. Very. And the reason why I'm passionate about it, because I understand, and you should understand. For by grace were you saved through faith. It is not of yourself. It is the gift of God that you should boast. You had nothing to do with your salvation. Jesus died on that cross in your place and in my place. Are y'all listening? He died for us. He could have said you die for yourself but he died for us. And that was the grace of God. And we must uphold that. And that's what Paul's largely, that's what his ministry was doing, fighting against these Judaizers who were seeking to bring the Christians back under the law to get them to obey the laws of Moses, to get them to obey other rituals in order to truly be saved. From that meaning, there was no doctrinal adjustment but it was practical. And you'll want to notice when you read Acts chapter 15 in your own time, you also want to notice that there is no mention of the Gentiles having to be circumcised as necessary for salvation. You want to keep in mind the issue is what does a man need to do to be saved? This is the simple issue. Salvation makes this an issue of legalism or not not the fact that they were beginning to set up some rules and some policy and some structure in the church. That's not the issue. The issue is, is salvation and circumcision connected? That is the issue or not. Now, I bring this to your attention because, listen, saints, a lot of people in the church not just this church, but in most churches, to tell you the truth, they confuse rules in the church with legalism. You know, some people think that anything that is law is legal. And maybe you get that from, from, from your road test when you got your driver's license. There's a law. You see a stop sign? You must stop. It's legal. 25 miles an hour means 25 miles an hour, not 3,800 miles an hour. And, and you know, we, we, we make that mistake to come into the church to think that anything that is law is legal. So for some people, if you tell them something they don't want to hear, they say that you're legalistic. We have been accused of this church. And nothing could be more further than the truth. We have been accused in this church of being legalistic. Now, I've been in this church... All of my ministry. (laughs) Amen. And, And and I can tell you something. It's one thing about this church is we are not legalistic. We believe in the grace of God. If you do, clap your hands. Would you do that? We believe in God's grace. But there are some people who say you're legalistic. For example, they'll say, you know, if you don't allow, like in this church, we 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 really give high honor. Lord, help me say this, right? We, we really give high honor and place to the teaching of God's word. We want God's word to be heard. And we want it to be heard and we want it to affect your life and we want to do everything we can to make sure that God's word is clearly heard so that it can touch your heart and you can go and be doers of the word and be changed. And so we recommend and we really strongly encourage that if your child is, say, under six years old, if they're under six, take them to the children's ministry. This is why we don't have children in our sanctuary, not because we don't love children. We do love children. We love them so much. We have a wonderful, wonderful children's ministry. Y'all should clap your hands there because we really do. We have a wonderful children's ministry. We love them so much. We don't want them to come to church and hate church because some people, and some of y'all know what I'm talking about, have come to church, and over the years, for a long time, maybe it's recently changed, but you hated church because all you remember about church is when you were a kid, you went to church, there was nothing but pain every time you went to church. Because you're a child, and when you're a small baby, anybody know what I'm talking about? You, that's, that's pretty much all of y'all. Okay, good. I'm preaching to the choir then. Because you're a child, you're just a baby and you don't, you're five or six years old and you don't want to go into the big church and hear that guy stand up there and talk about the Greek words for salvation and all the Jewish people in the, the church council meeting. And You ain't thinking about that, you're thinking about somebody give me some goldfish thinking about oh well well, 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 soteriology and eschatology and divinity you ain't thinking about that you're a kid and so when you're in a sanctuary like this and we're teaching the word of god you're not listening you're tearing up the bibles (laughs) and then and then your mom sees you and mom look you know and you're tearing up the bible and being a kid because you're a kid and you're doing stuff and mom's like stop you know, I come from the old school. See, so you you get you could get, get a whooping in church. <laughs> Nowadays, you will be hauled off to jail. But in, when I grew up, they would my mom would tear you up in the house of the Lord. Get anybody wave at me and say, tear you? "Preacher, preacher, this hard out." She's like, "I told you, don't shoot, you." <laughs> that's that's the church. I that's about my, my background. I know none of y'all know nothing about that. <laughs> but you know what I'm talking about? Tear you up. But 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 you come to church as a child. You're in an environment where you really don't belong, and you grow up hating church. So what we like to do is say, look, put your children in the children's church where they can be happy, where they can be kids, where they can make you know those those ashtrays. That I don't, they don't make those in church, do they? No. <laughs> so, so you can make those things and give them to, and then you come out of children's church. Here, mommy, look what I made, and and you go, oh, 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 it's the most beautiful thing I have ever seen. Look over your husband. What is it? Well, mommy is a, it's a head shape of daddy. <laughs> She's like, yeah, look just like him. <laughs> you know, and so you want the kids to be in an environment where they could be kids, where they could sing kids songs, where they can learn. So we ask that you take your children to the children's ministries for that very reason. And what happens is, look, let me just tell you all something. Pastor Rodney, I got a microphone and I cannot compete against the crying baby. And the truth is, when a baby starts crying, the pastor is up here preaching his heart out, sweating, y'all. A baby start crying. What happened? All eyes. A baby start crying over here. Everybody over here. All heads go that way. Then I gotta say, okay, back with me, people. Come on, look at me, look at me, look at me. It's true. And then you get to Pastor Jim because y'all know Pastor Jim. That is one sweet man. Pastor Jim had to. You you know, he gotta go. He's come up to the people and tap on the shoulder. They got the baby is crying. The baby is all over the place having a meltdown. And Pastor Jim, might, boy, would you, hey, would you mind taking the baby out? Taking my kid up, leave, out. Take the baby out. I'm leaving this church. Let me tell you something right now. This church is a legalistic church. Don't you know that Jesus said, let the children come unto me? Everybody, it's it's an amazing thing. Everyone knows that verse. Anyone with a child knows that verse. And they always throw the finger with it. Let the children come unto me. Don't you know Jesus said that? You're not suffering the children to come to Jesus. I mean, folks, because you ask them to just be respectful of the word of God. You know, and then they go out. Some folks let, I, I kid you not. Pastors have been cursed out in the parking lot over this issue. Now, I know I am talking to nobody here. I know this is not, I'm just telling y'all what happens. And all because we're trying to put some structure, everything, listen, that is law is not legal. Here's another thing. We don't have people drinking um, lattes. We have a cafe out there and eating, eating donuts and stuff like that. We don't, we, don't, we don't encourage that here at Calvary Chapel. And largely because we believe, listen, Satan, listen to me. Satan will use anything and anyone to keep you from hearing the Word of God. If you understand that, clap your hands, would you? He will use anything. Satan will use anything and anyone to keep you from hearing the Word of God. Satan will use a cup of latte to keep you from hearing the Word of God. He'll use a donut to keep you from. Now, some churches don't misunderstand me. I'm not saying churches that have don't. Some churches have like the sanctuary and the donut table and coffee and stuff right back there. And while the pastor is preaching, you are free to get up and go freshen up your coffee, put yourself some sweet low in that thing, stir it up, come on back, sit down, eat your donut. Let me just tell y'all, you can't do that here. (laughs) I don't know how else to tell you. You cannot do that here. Listen, you know why? Because... (laughs) Because... I'm thinking of a reason why here. (laughs) Because, listen, Satan will use that donut to keep you from hearing the word of God. Man, you sitting there eating that donut, the pastor's preaching his heart out, and just that very word, that one seed that the Holy Spirit wants to deposit into your heart and deposit into your spirit, that's going to make a difference in your life. You are caught up in your donut. You missed it. You eating that donut, Mmm. This thing is good. Mmm. I should give me another one of them. <laughs> you drink. Mmm, mmm, mmm. Meanwhile, the word of God and you missing it. So we don't encourage that because of that reason. Not only that, that's a spiritual reason, but here's a practical reason. Oh, you spill coffee. You got donuts smashed into the carpet, smashed into the chair. We need a full-time carpet cleaning, chair cleaning guy on staff just to clean up after you people. <laughs> so we, 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 we really discourage that. Everything that is law, listen, is not legal. And you don't accuse of being legalist just because there's some structure or some order in place. If y'all understand, wave at me. If you understand, wait, there's just some order in place. So then the question remains, then what really is legalism? Because people throw that word around a lot oh, that's just legalistic. Oh, that's legalistic. Well, hey, brother, you can't do that. That's bad for your spirit. That's, that's, that's against God's word. Oh, uh, legalist. Man, that, that's not good for you, man. That's going to hurt you. That's going to hurt your life. That's going to hurt your family. That's, gonna, that's not good for, you, for your spirit. Oh, uh, legalist. What is legalism? Well, here, here's a good definition for legalism. Legalism, listen, I even have it on the screen for you. Legalism, matter of fact, would you read it with me? I want you to get it. Read it with me. Has the idea of earning God's favor by developing your own man-made, I can't hear you, man-made rules and regulations to be right with God. Read it again and read it like you mean it. Legalism at its core. Has the idea of earning God's favor by developing your own man-made rules and regulations to be right with God. Listen, don't make the mistake to think that anything that is law is legal. It isn't legalism to tell someone what the Word of God expressly teaches. It is not legalism to say you can't do this thing in church and remain in ministries.